When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. War Report family, y'all know what time it is, man. Listen, uh, we don't do it for every transfer, but the quarterback position is just different. Like you guys should know by now, the quarterback position is just mm. different. So when there's QB news, we have to go live and get you all an opportunity to talk about it. Um, we would normally just wait until a normal live, but we are here. Robbie Ashford commits to Auburn. Uh, new quarterback coming to the Plains. Your boy Ike Jones, Mike G here. Just hey, let's let's rap about it, man. What what, what you feeling? Uh, well, okay, so um, gotta go on record that this is not a surprise to anybody at the War Report. Uh, True. We 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 talked about Ashford just a little bit, but you guys know how we do about like rumors and when we find out things. I don't want to spoil it for the kid. So, uh, you know, it's his news to put out there how he wants to. Uh, but now that he's committed, we can talk a little bit more about what we knew. Uh, he was at he was at bowl practice the Monday before our game. Yeah. Now he's from he Hoover. went to school at Hoover. Right. And right. so it's not a shock that he was in town and in the area. But, uh, you know, we had heard rumblings that he was not happy at Oregon. Uh, and was looking for a change, and um, Auburn might be a good place. So the, the, the talks with the coaches started uh, in December. Now, when all the Caleb Williams rumors started floating around, that's why I never believed it. Yeah. I never believed Caleb Williams to Auburn was a real possibility. Uh, I don't think well, he, he... I think it was a possibility. I just don't know that it was going to ever be a reality based upon other stuff that we've heard about what he wanted, right? Like, right, and what this coaching staff is looking for, I mean, you'll take the most talented guy if he wants to come here and compete, right. but at the end of the day, was Caleb Williams a culture fit for what Harson is building? The thing that you said is crucial there. Does he want to come and compete for a spot, or does Correct. he want to be saying, getting, getting guarantees to say, hey, if I come there, I'm going to be your starting quarterback? And mm -hmm. I don't know that that's the Harson mantra or moxie about how he wants guy he wants guys that want to come in and compete for a spot not be hand get not be gifted a spot right. right um whether someone is the front runner or not is kind of irrelevant it's it's about who wants it more when it's time to compete and and camp opens yeah you know um so a lot of people thought you know calzada would be the default starter if mm -hmm. um if uh, uh, Williams chose not to come here. So, but I want to talk a little bit about Robbie Ashford because they're, the Debbie Downers are out already on social media about this commitment. This is a fantastic commitment for Auburn football. Um, now, he's a great athlete. Well, he, uh, he's, he's the anti-TJ, right? Like, he's everything that TJ Finley is not. Yeah, like, he, he's got... Um, he's going to come here and compete. He's a two-sport guy. 
the last thing I heard was he still plans on ch- at least attempting to play baseball while here. Um, okay. He's a great baseball athlete. Uh, however, um, before he had quit baseball at Oregon in an attempt right. to focus on the starting QB job. And right. uh, here's why I need people to understand. Oregon fans were excited about Ashford last spring. Mm-hmm. Now, he started out like fourth on the depth chart and then rocketed up in the spring. And they were speculating that he had a chance to take that starting job from Anthony Brown. So he made great strides. You know, ultimately, you know, sometimes experience is a little is, is tough to overcome for some guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is a mature kid. I think that he fits what Harson is trying to build here. Um, and ultimately, again, nothing has been promised, though. Right. So if you're here and you're willing to compete and you're willing to do what's asked of you, I think that you will get a shot. Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to go on record and just say I'm not sure how forgiving this staff is for guys who have some like halfway burn bridges. Uh, it doesn't seem to be very much at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, so let, let's talk about this for a second because we can't have this discussion with about Ashford without talking about the current construct of our QB rooms. Now, who do we have mm-hmm. left? We got uh, TJ Finley, who played mm-hmm. in four games, right? Um, well, more than four games, but, you know, he started three and he finished off one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we've got D. Davis, who has mm-hmm. not taken a snap in a game at Auburn. Right. Now, let me go on record and say I was very high on D. Davis last offseason uh, when he committed to Auburn. All the talent in the world, super high talent ceiling. And I think maybe even a little overlooked and underrated. A lot of fans were calling for him at the end of the season. Um, But I'm going to go on record now and say, uh, based on what this staff is doing, I don't think that D. Davis ever takes a snap at Auburn University. It's it's unlikely as it looks today, right? Like you've got uh, Robbie Ashford who has four years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. You've got TJ Finley, who has, I think he still has a COVID year, so it's probably four years of eligibility left. Because right. uh, um, I think he technically was a red shirt last year. If he's a sophomore, he's only got three. But anyway, right. he's still got a ton of eligibility. Holden Garner hasn't even hit campus yet. All mm-hmm. his years of eligibility left. Zach Calzada right. still has two years of eligibility left. Correct. So there's a lot of people with actual game snaps right now to in front of you already, right? Like Zach Calzada and TJ Finley are probably starting out ahead of Demetrius Davis on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means he's competing with Robbie Ashford for a third spot and Holden Garner for the number three QB. Correct. Right, to start. Now, I'm not saying where he would end mm-hmm. that competition. I'm just saying if if I were to venture a guess about if we released a quarterback depth chart today, it would be TJ Finley, Zach Calzada, Robbie Ashford, D. Davis, Holden, Garen are all holding potential number three and those first two fighting it out for number one. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, This is going to be a competition. This is going to be a competition. So uh, Zach Calzada, invaluable in-game experience. I mean, he won some big games, right? you know, at a good school uh, behind a not-so-great O-line this year. And, uh, you know, he'll have to do some more of that you know, at this team, I think that he can do very well here. So I, ha- I actually have high hopes for Calzada. Yeah. Um, he's got the arm. Uh, you know, if, if he gets healthy, I think he can compete. I think this is a smart move to bring somebody in to compete, especially, you know, um, some guys are just not the same after injury. True. So, 
you know, Calzada has all the ability, but, you know, how well does he come back from this this shoulder injury that he had last year? Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that battle. Um, as far as TJ Finley is concerned, uh, you know, I think he'll be here to compete during the spring. You cannot discount the time that he put in with this staff. For sure. He knows he knows the expectations. He knows what's expected of him. Uh, and he has a chance. He, any player has a chance to raise their game. A lot of people have, have feel like they've seen TJ Finley ceiling already. You know, TJ would beg to differ. So if he's willing to stay and compete, I'm willing to entertain it. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, then there is um, Robbie Ashford, who, you know, it's he's the shiny new thing that nobody's seen before. But um, this is somebody that this staff chose. Right. Now. People have been asking me, they've been DMing me on Twitter, they've been asking me on social media, what's happening with all these transfers? Mm-hmm. Now, not anything that's, out, that's not happening at any other SEC school right now. However, at Auburn, I think that a lot of the transfers that we're seeing are more driven by this coach and staff cleaning house a little bit based on things that uh, they want to see, um, a culture they're trying to establish and an attitude that they want players to have. Uh, you know, I've seen some things like on social media that just are cringy uh, from some of our current players. And yeah, I can't. And this this staff is watching social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you I have was, to. This is yeah. this is a day and age where you have to know what guys are doing in different spaces because mm-hmm. they, they're they're representatives of your program. They're representatives of your university. Correct. And so especially in the day and age of NIL, like this is this is the other side of that. Right. Like you're no longer the you know, college athlete that gets to go out there and do what they want to do. You're a representative of the university and whoever else is paying you money, right? Mm. And so a portion of that is reflected in how your school, because it any NIL deal has to go through the university, right? So you have to help manage that relationship with that athlete. Correct. So they have to. They have no choice but to to figure out what's going on in those accounts. Yeah, I I expect to hear about a transfer here shortly. I do. I expect to hear about a portal transfer here uh, in the in the near future. Now, uh, it, it may have to happen quick for for some guys. Uh, it may have already been in the works. Um, so it's not like this is going to be reactive if we see a transfer. I think um, the, I think the staff has been pretty open about communicating what direction that they're going, and you're seeing guys preemptively make the decision in their best interest, knowing what direction the staff is trying to go. Right. And being told whether, quite frankly, whether they're a part of it or not, whether they're a part of the plan or not. Now, if you did what was asked of you during the season and you made yourself you competed and you made yourself a non-distraction, you know, off the field and on social media, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. But this culture thing yeah, that Carson kept talking about this season, I don't think it can be just overlooked and dismissed in this conversation. He wouldn't let it go. And he just kept saying you know, I've got to rebuild culture here. I've got to rebuild culture here. I've got to rebuild culture here. Right. And, you know, to to rebuild, to, you know, to rebuild the house, you have to relay the foundation sometimes. And the foundation of this team was built with guys who may be good guys, but maybe not bought into his process. Right. And his way of doing things. And, um, you know, you need guys who are going to be bought in. So uh, Ashford had that opportunity, right? He had a school. He got a chance to sit down with these coaches, hear what their vision and their plan was, and then decide to come here. That matters. Um, we got a couple super chats here I want to get to. JT Martin says, 
I don't want to sound like I'm not happy about this commitment because we can all we can all we can use all competition. But at this point, I need to see some wide receivers. Um, there, there's there's some truth to that. Uh, I will tell you. I think you'll be surprised what you see from our current receivers with a more accurate quarterback. Yeah. You know, so just the same way that receivers can help the quarterback, the quarterback can help the receiver. So I think that that goes both ways. Chris Lester says the QB room looking kind of full guys. If one leaves, who would it be? Uh, we kind of covered that. Listen, I don't expect it to stay that way. Yeah. Um, now, if you're holding Gariner, you should not be scared by any of this. Yeah. This is your chance to just come in. <laughs> they chose you. You stay committed. Learn the system. He should not be in a rush to play this year. Yeah. At all. He should not be in a rush to play this year. Take some time to develop. Let that O-line develop in front of you. Right? Let them go out and recruit some skill positions around you. And... You know, when it's your time to take over, you're maybe taking over a more established pr- program rather than being called on to be the savior of Auburn football. Um, so I think uh, I think that's a much better situation for any quarterback coming in, and that allows us to build a pipeline of guys uh, where you know uh, uh, the new guys aren't being called on to save the season. They're just coming in and they're becoming part of the process where we churn out good players at that position year after year. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting um, just kind of the the rhetoric that's ratcheting up around the program in general um, from people. A lot of people just making a lot of assumptions of wildly just I, I won't say inaccurate assumptions, but just a lot of assumptions floating around about the nature of things. Um, but, you know, in this instance, I think what's proven to be true is that Brian Harson has a very firm idea of what he wants to do as a coach. Mm-hmm. And some people are buying into that and others are completely out on it. Right. And we're seeing a rapid exodus and we're seeing, I won't say a rapid uh, response from other people wanting to come here, but we are seeing culture fit people or people who say, you know what, I'm buying into that. I want to come in and and do what this coach is asking us to do. Right. Um, So I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Uh, Definitely want to go here again to some of these chats. Thank you guys for hopping in here. Uh, You know, random live Late on a Monday. Um, and, you know, like we don't have, let's, again, I don't know that we have answers. Like people are asking, have you heard about this? Have you heard about that? I don't know that we have any definitive answers. We probably have heard the same rumors that you all have about why people have exited, why people have come, you know, uh, who's potentially going to be here. We don't have a ton of that information, um, more than what you all probably already know, or if it's floating around on message boards and all that kind of thing. Um, so the truth uh, is somewhere probably in the mix of all of that somewhere, um, but I don't have any of those answers. Uh, yeah, I will tell you this, though, and I'll say it kind of as a blanket statement. Some of these transfers that we're seeing are guys being handed their walking papers. Yeah. And the coaches giving them a chance to control the narrative around why they left. Yeah. You know, and everything we know about this staff is they're, they're, they're not into throwing people under the bus. Correct. But they do want to quietly move on and transition into what they're trying to build. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, almost every question you can ask us about a player who's leaving now can come back to that. That's what you're seeing right now. Yeah. You're seeing the the exodus of an old culture. Particularly the ones that seem inexplicable. It's like, yo, what? wait a minute. What happened happened with that? Like nine times out of ten, again, I'm not saying that's 100% true. It's a situation where a player was either behind the scenes, not a culture fit or unhappy about the direction that their perceived place on the program was. Mm-hmm. And the coach said, okay, we're not going to argue about this. Like, 
You are where you are right now. You can either work to get to a different place or you can go find some place where you're going to be happy and I'm good with that, right? And that's that's a very kind of harsh way to put it. I don't know what the actual conversation was. Or it was a, listen, we've been dealing with this all season. Let's just, we've got an opportunity for a reset right now. The portal is open. You know, you go find a place that you feel like fits better, but it can't be Auburn, right? And so they're allowed to enter the portal without a bunch of, you know, such and such has been cut from the team type of thing. Uh, so it, it's usually something like that. But again, it's in order for you to get to a place where you have buy-in from everyone, you have to allow people that opportunity to leave or right. you have to give them, you know, show them the exit without kicking them out the door. Right. You know, right. Right. So I like this commitment. I do. I think he's a talented kid. Um, he kind of got away from us, man. Like, you know, we, this is a kid, this was a, this is an Alabama kid. I think he was like number 13th overall player in the state that went way out West to Oregon, you know, and there was no reason, uh, that he, you know, kid like that shouldn't have been able to stay home. Uh, but he's a dynamic arm talent. Uh, I think he's got a high ceiling. He's, he's a little underdeveloped, but he has a chance to come in and just, you know, work on his craft. Now, the other thing that I'll tell you about this quarterback race is um, the winner is going to be the guy who does the most on his own, right? This is going to be about the guy who takes the initiative um, that does not have to be spoon-fed everything and can just go out and, and, and work, right? This is the time where quarterback should be grabbing his receivers or his potential receivers. Because if I'm Ashford, from the moment I step foot on campus, I'm looking at that depth chart and I'm saying, okay, Kobe's gone. Who's here that caught passes in 2021? Let's go hit the field, right? Get yeah, to know me. Same, same, listen, yeah. said the exact same thing about everybody else. You know, uh, you know, we wanted to see TJ Finley do the same thing. Wanted to see Demetrius Davis do the same thing. Um, I don't know where Zach Calzada is in his rehab. Hopefully when he touched down doing the same thing, right? Like what's important is finding a way to build that chemistry in the offseason so that when it's time to produce results during the season, you've already, you know, like, I know how you run the routes, how you throw the routes, you know, what kind of looks we're going for in certain spaces um, and just getting better as a unit. Right. Because that, I think, has been a portion of like, again, I, I get the offensive line has been a problem. And we can talk about some of the offensive line uh, guys that have decided to come back and, you know, what we're doing and uh, looking at portal guys and all that sort of thing. But the chemistry between wide receiver and quarterback <clears throat> has been off. It's just not been where it needs to be. Um, and we have to figure that portion of it out as well. Correct. Correct. Um, we got some more super chats here. Uh, Big Gap says, appreciate the coverage, bros. War damn. Uh, we appreciate you, dude. Uh, yep. We are in here with you guys on a Monday night. Uh, Stuart Donald says, all these transfers originally from Alabama is like we're rewriting history. Um like a time heist. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's funny. Um, it is true. It's it's giving the portal is giving guys a second chance that decided to leave home, and maybe that wasn't the best decision for them. Um, and they're getting a chance to come back around and and, and do their thing here, uh, and compete here where there is a great area of need. Now I'll tell you, uh, it's funny. Like uh, where I went to, my high school has put out some really good football players. I went to I went to Central High School in Phoenix City. And when I was in high school, I knew some kids who were really good at football that played for Central. They were brothers and decided uh, one brother went to Alabama and the other brother followed them up there just so they could both walk on the team. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, both of those guys could have been stars at Auburn because we were we were taking the best guy. There were no, there was no politics involved at the time. And um, 
you know, this staff feels really close to that. They're really trying to find the best guy for the job, right? You know, I thought they both wasted their careers, career, their football careers going to Alabama. Um, just, you know, caught up in the allure of Bama at the time, right? Right. You know, and, and, and now, you know, Harson is just saying, you know, he's taking guys who, you know, if you're Ashford, right, you feel maybe a little underappreciated, kind of overlooked, and uh, and ready to compete and come in. And there's no way you're not looking at this QB room and saying, I can beat everybody out there. No way. I mean, Calzada, I would say, probably is the front runner just based on accomplishments and pure number of games started. Uh, but I, I don't think anything's been promised to him. I, pr- I think they were real with him about what his chances were to win the job based on what he was going to be up against. Right. Uh, but the writing is on the wall for the guys who, who have been in this QB room. So uh, mainly Didi. Right. I just, I, I'm, you know, and I know a lot of people are not going to want to hear this. I, I'm kind of sad about having to say it out loud, but I'm just not sure where he fits in this puzzle, QB puzzle here yeah. with, with um, his, I think, four years of eligibility remaining. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. You know, listen, all the talent in the world. Um, and, you know, uh, we will see where it goes for the last, I guess, I mean, since we've known he was going to be redshirting, I don't know how many months that's been. We have been fans of what perceives to be, or, or what we've perceived to be his off-the-field work ethic of just going out there, trying to get his throws up and all that kind of thing. Um, but also, more recently, critical of some of the things that he's done in his social media that have led to a lot of unnecessary speculation. Um that doesn't mean that he's going in. Listen, this is we're not writing a eulogy for Demetrius Davis right now at Auburn University. I don't know what the future holds for him. I hope we do get to see him play in the Auburn uniform because I still do think he's a supremely talented quarterback and athlete. Um, but the question of whether or not he ever realizes that is 100% on him, right? Like, I don't know that the coach is out here, you know, despite what people might feel, picking and choosing favorites. He's trying to go with people who he feels like are working the hardest. Um, yeah. And that, some, again, last year we felt like that was to the, de- the detriment specifically of the wide receiver room, right? Like the most talented guys aren't seeing the field. It is, you know, what you would say, Mike, experience over talent, right? I don't know that it was experience over talent. I think it was effort over talent. Now that the more that this is unfolding, it was mm-hmm. more so who's willing to work harder you know, Sunday through Friday, that's who sees the field on Saturday. And so um, that may very well be the case in the quarterback competition now that experience isn't even close to the biggest factor, right? Like you don't have an entrenched three-year starter. You've got guys who've played less than a full season and now who's going to step up? And we'll we'll see that very soon, who's going to step up. Yeah, like um, uh, Ashford was a top... 300 player, mm-hmm. right? Like he was a top 300 overall player. He had a 0.9006 composite rating coming out of high school. Um, and uh, let's see here. Was he, what are they rating him? I wonder what they're rating him as a transfer now. Does he have a higher or lower rating? I don't it know. I haven't a, looked at it. So it I'm going exactly to be honest. Same. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen a ton of, uh, you know, there's not a, a bunch of film out there, number one, on Robbie Ashford. Um, 
you know, and other than his high school film. So there's not a ton for me to be able to evaluate as far as how well he plays. What I did like about the high school. So if you're new to the war report and you, you know, you have no idea who I am. I am a film guy, right? Like I like to watch film and try to see what's going on, but I am adamant in saying that I don't like evaluating a player based upon their highlights because of course you're going to look good in your highlights. But what I do like to look and see in highlights are what types of throws are being displayed if there's a quarterback, right? Like um, if the, the war report wasn't in existence when Joey Gatewood was a recruit for Auburn, I was never high on Joey Gatewood because if you go and look at his high school film, the vast majority of it was quarterback runs or it was Mm -hmm. him scrambling around and players ended up being open because of a scramble drill. It wasn't him operating from the pocket and making decisive reads, throws, hitting guys in stride type of stuff. He was throwing to guys that were wide open or he was running through people, around people, past people. And I was like, ah, that doesn't excite me as a quarterback prospect. Mm -hmm. I don't see that on the film of Robbie Ashford. I see some of that, right? Like he's a supremely talented athlete, but I do see him making throws down the field to guys in stride. I do see him operating from the pocket a little bit, a lot of arm strength. But again, those are highlights and that's high school. So I'm not saying he's going to be some supremely dominant uh, physical specimen at the college level, but I do see some things that are there to work with. He's He's a raw prospect though at this point because he hasn't played any college football. Right. Right. I'll tell you what I do like um, right now. Right now, I am on Twitter. And if you look for uh, Robbie Ashford, you see exactly zero from Robbie Ashford. His, uh, apparently, his mom likes to get on uh, social yeah. media and talk a lot, though. So. Yeah, like, listen, his mom is one thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Because you can't control the, 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 the parental units. Uh, they're grown people. They raise you. They can do what they want. Uh, however, uh, from him, I'm telling you, a lot of these current players are getting themselves in trouble with social media. Yeah. Um, and Ike, man, when, I, when I'm telling you, this staff is watching. Mm-hmm. The, the coaches are watching. They got people watching the things that you put on social media. And some of the immature games, man, it's just you're, 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 you're digging your own proverbial grave with this. Yeah. stuff on social media and it's not going to be forgiven or forgotten right so i hope that ashford comes in quietly puts his head down i hope he's the, the loudest i want to hear from him is in the huddle yeah that's and on it. the sidelines with his guys, lines. right mm-hmm. like and, and that's the thing too you know I, i'll still take a moment i know a lot of the auburn fan base is out on tj finley and 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 you know for for some good reason as far as what his play produced but the thing i liked about tj was the rapport that he was able to build quickly with his teammates right like they looked to him as one of the guys pretty early on in the process. Hopefully Robbie Iceford can come in and do the thing. Hope, hopefully uh, Zach Calzada can come in and do the mm-hmm. same thing. Figure out how to galvanize with his teammates, get buy-in from that offensive line, get buy-in from those receivers and tight ends, and, and help running backs understand that it's not going to all be on you this year, Tank. Like, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to hit the, you know, the, the wide receivers know if I got a guy beat by two yards, it's a touchdown. Right. Like it's not going to be me going back to the huddle with my head down. It's a touchdown. Right. Right. Zach Calzada needs to be able to look a guy in the eye and say, if you're open, I'm going to hit you. Right. Right. Uh, Which he did. And so for all of the things that I immediately, again, not having done an in-depth 
uh, look into the quarterback room, which now that we're starting to see who those guys are going to be, I'll probably right. start to do more evaluation on those players. That's the one thing I did like about Zach Calzada was his deep ball accuracy and his moxie to be able to stand in the pocket and deliver some of those throws downfield, um, even under pressure. And that's right. really what we need. Listen, right. if you hit the guys when they're open and you make that defense have to respect it, Tank Bigsby becomes a very happy young man. For sure, right? I mean, again, defenses have defenses have to back up just a little bit. Lanes open, and it takes some pressure off this offensive line. Now, people are screaming about the offensive line. By the numbers um, in pass protection, they, they didn't do that bad last year. Um, people yeah, they see, were average. It wasn't yeah. phenomenal. It wasn't as mm-hmm. terrible as people have been advertising it. Right, yeah. Now, run blocking was a different story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, run blocking was atrocious. Um, uh, pass blocking was good enough to get the job done. We just needed everybody else to raise their game as well. And it just seemed like it was never fully cohesive at any point in the passing game. So when the line did block, we were missing passes or... Mm-hmm. When the quarterback did make good throws, we were dropping passes, right? Correct. Like you know, right. or that's what I'm line. saying. That co- that cohesion between the quarterback and the receiver, it just wasn't there. It wasn't all the way there, yeah. But listen, the games where we put it together, we were putting it on guys. Mm-hmm. In the Arkansas game, when Bo Nix was slinging it, the offense looked looked good. It looked great in that game. It looked great first half against Ole Miss because. The quarterback's delivering the ball where he needs to do it. The, the receivers are catching it. And now you you make it impossible to stop Tank then. like, And so right. he has a better first half in that game because we're able to play complementary football, right? Like we're not we, – we, we, we've proven that our offensive line isn't just going to line up and run over people. It's right. just – that's just not how we were built. You know, uh, again, I don't want to put blame anywhere. It just is what it is. It's a legacy of kind of where that – how that offensive line was composed mm-hmm. prior to Harson and his staff coming on board. But you're just not going to line up and bully people. So you have to be able to play complementary football. You have to be able to be accurate and on time with your throws because they're going to load up the box, and then they're going to dare you to beat them deep. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to do. Right. Um, Look at the team that won the national title. Right. Stetson Bennett did not a ton of amazing things. He just made those timely throws. He didn't miss his deep balls when he had a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, he managed the game and then just made plays when he had to. Right. That's that's all. That's what we need from Auburn just on a more consistent basis. It gives the receivers a better chance. You know, when you trust is trust is another thing. It was funny when we talked to Devin Aroma should do about quarterback plays. And him and Ben Obamanu were talking about trust between a um, a wide receiver and a quarterback, right? So there was this silly, if you get your hands on it, you got to catch it and that's it. Mm-hmm. No nuance to that. Like people were spouting, spouting that stuff. And I was kind of throwing our receivers a bone. I was like, you know, listen, there are a lot of very inconsistently thrown balls out there that break the trust between the receiver and the quarterback, right? So if you're going out there and I got to worry about where you're going to put the ball, I'm playing slower. I'm running my route differently. It's it, I can't play the game the same. Yeah. Right. But when ball placement and timing and accuracy is there, I can just I can play fast, right? And all I have to do is worry about getting my hands in the right position, catching the ball, and then making a play after that. That's what we need from our quarterback. We need that trust between the receiver and the quarterback to be there so that whether it's Ashford or Calzada or TJ, because I think that's what the quarterback room is going to be. 
Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's there's an outside chance for the other two, but like, listen, if I'm again, on it, if, yeah. if I were if I were a betting man, which you know, listen, I, I'm not a betting man, but I do do fantasy picks. Yeah. Shout out uh, to prospect. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not a fan. I'm, I'm more of a fantasy guy these days. I'm not a betting man. Uh, that's B. Will's job. But um, if I were you know, I would be putting my money on one of those three horses right now. Correct. Like the other two would be an outside lean. The chances of them being starter day one, not saying that they will never, because Holden Garner, unless something crazy happens in the next two years, will be a starter at Auburn University eventually. He's just, he's got the physical tools necessary to do what Brian Harson asks of a quarterback and what I believe Austin Davis will ask of a quarterback. But right. I would say one of those three that you just named would likely be day one starter against whoever we're playing dang well i don't even know western yeah you know we're so starved for quarterback play at auburn because we have been deprived of that for the better part of the last two decades and when we have found lightning in a bottle at quarterback for a season the results have been amazing right right so jason campbell's last year right cam newton nick marshall's first year uh you know Jarrett stidham's first year you know, when we've been able to find dynamic quarterback play, it seems like the ceiling for this team is unlimited. Right. Yeah. It's it's right? literally championship level. My, like, and it and again, it doesn't it doesn't have to be a dynamic guy. Jason Campbell wasn't some. I wouldn't call him dynamic. Yeah. yeah he wasn't some it's, remarkable athlete who was out here running around making plays outside of the pocket. He was just decisive and accurate. Yeah. He had a good arm. Yeah. Right. And you know, he did. He followed instructions very well. He understood what was called of him to do, mm-hmm. and which which is why he was a career pro for so long. He could come in to whatever system it was. He proved it in college that it doesn't matter what the system is. I'll, I'll figure it out, and I'm going to get out there, and I'm going to go play ball, and I'm going to deliver the ball to open receivers. I'm going to take sacks when it's not there. I'm going to throw the ball away when I'm supposed to. If you give me an opportunity, I'll go pick up five or six yards for you with my feet, right? Like, wasn't complicated. He didn't play a complicated brand of football, but he played right. the type of football, again, I'm going to use this word, that was complementary to a good running game. If you have a right. good running game, Jason Campbell's the perfect quarterback because he's going to allow you to hand the ball off first and second down, maybe even third down, right? Like, But mm-hmm. when it's called on and you need third and seven, he's going to deliver it. When you've got to make the big play at the end of the game and you need someone decisive and accurate who's going to make smart plays, he was the guy that was going to do it. That's really all Auburn has needed since 2019 because the defense has been good enough to be able to do something else. Right. We just have not had that consistently enough in order to win enough football games. Yeah, we just get in this mode where we blame the quarterback. We we overly blame the quarterback or we overly blame the offensive line or we overly blame the wide receivers, Yeah. right? And there's talent in each one of those position groups, right? Um, and so uh, I felt like a lot of people did not properly acknowledge the games that the O-line played well this year. No. Right? Um, and then, uh, again, on offense, there's a synergy and there is, um, there's an effect that each group can have on one another. If you're a receiver and you're not getting separation, it's going to affect your line and your quarterback. Correct. If you're not winning your matchup, right, uh, it's going to affect your line. Um, And so that can't be understated. If you're a line and you can't hold up in pass protection, it's going to affect your receivers and your quarterback. That's an undoubted fact, right? The the part that we don't talk about it uh, enough is if your quarterback and you leave the pocket early or you hold on to the ball too long or your ball placement is bad, it affects the other two groups as well. 
Auburn fans did not like to talk about that aspect of it, but it was all a problem. At well, no, some they, point. They've, they've had no problem the last five games. Talking oh about well, that. yeah, right, yeah. It was su- it was it was funny after TJ started started was starting. It, it was it was interesting to hear every all the criticism of the offensive line disappear somehow. Yeah, and then it was just him that was the problem. It was like oh, I was like wait, but that was the same line. Yeah, that we've had all year. Right. And he's less mobile, so he should be more affected by that. Or maybe, maybe the line just wasn't as bad as everybody was saying they were all year. I mean, they were what they were, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, again, the off, uh, we've said this already. The offensive line was not spectacular. They weren't terrible. Uh, they had their busts, which, it, again, puts them right there in the middle of this entire situation. Now, I will say this definitively. T.J. Finley had his opportunities to make big plays for Auburn University while he was in here at quarterback. And we said this definitively after the Birmingham Bowl. He had his chance to make this a non-issue going into the offseason. Yeah, man. He put could, it, supreme trust in the in the staff, supreme trust in the fans of his ability to lead Auburn as an offensive unit, and mm. he didn't do that. He left it up for question right now, and that's why this conversation is 100% relative with Zach Calzada coming in and now Robbie Ashford coming in. Yeah, You left the door open, and people are walking through it. So I'm hoping, you know, I, I saw a, uh, apparently he, you know, his immediate reaction was like a bunch of laughing emojis on one of his stories, either Instagram or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, if, if that's your reaction, bro, like, you, you, you kind of have to look at yourself and say, yeah, I, 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 I invited this smoke. So are you going to, going to stand up and be like, hey, yeah. listen, How will he still respond my spot? to it? Yeah. yeah. How or are you just it? like, oh, man, this is some bull. I'm out of here. Because like, no, matter, no matter where you go, there's no route where there's not a ton of hard work involved moving forward. So you can take this challenge head on, right, and, 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 and just fight for the job. That's how you create a pipeline of guys, yeah. right? And then when the coach comes back and says, oh, we feel like we have two or three guys who can do the job, that shit can actually be true for a change. Right. So that that's where I'm at with, 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 with TJ. He had some opportunities. It, it, his opportunities were just so limited mm-hmm. because of the situation that he was put in. Those are the cards he was dealt. There's not much you can do about that. Yeah. Right. Um, the, and the coaching staff kind of took that. I personally didn't think it was very fair to him because there were times this season where he could have been inserted that it made more sense and he could have gotten into a better flow of things before everything became a disaster. Mm hmm. Right. Um, for developing, God thought that was important, but he just didn't get that chance. So you got to put that behind you and you just have to move forward. Yeah. I you mean, he, pay, I think he had enough forward. games, though, to, to be able to figure it out. And he just didn't do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's listen. go to the chat here real quick and we'll get back to this. Uh, Quentin Lee says it will be TJ. He's confident TJ is. E- I don't know if this is you're saying it will be TJ leaving or it'll be TJ starting. I want to know what you're actually asking or saying there. I think um, he says TJ leaving. Interesting. So yeah. of the, t- the quarterbacks, you think TJ's the one out the door. James Stallings, appreciate the super chat. He says, happy about Ashford, but basketball question, how scared should Georgia and Kentucky be with a pissed off Auburn basketball team? <laughs> Kentucky probably not so scared. Georgia's not so good this year. So, Kentucky's uh, not scared. Yes, Kentucky, Kentucky actually is, is, is welcoming the opportunity to prove that they are the best team in the SEC. Mm. Georgia is probably going to get up for this game, but... Uh, Trap game. Trap game. Definitely a trap game. I just don't know that they're talented enough for it to matter. Um, mm-hmm. Auburn's just going to have to come out and be like lackadaisical for that to even be matter. How even matter. up is Katie Johnson going to be for this game? <laughs> oh, 
Wow. How up is that's, Katie that, Johnson if that's not a storyline going into this game, then I don't know what you've been watching. But he definitely is going to be ready to go put it on his former team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to be ready to try to take him out of the game immediately. So, yeah. Um, Let's see. I will say I'm just gonna kind of jump in here. Ashford playing for Nibbit in high school. Niblet in high school will help him at Auburn because Niblet is not like Harson. is is a lot like Harson. Excuse me. So he, you're saying his high school coach and Harson are similar. So it should be good for him. Well, he played at Hoover is a really good program. Yeah. Right. So you know it was not like I mean he was playing against some of the best of the best in our state in high school. His kids got talent. He's got All talent. right. Um. Uh, Zach says we got a good chance to win eight to ten games next year. Listen, we, we had that uh, we, chance we, this year. <laughs> yeah, I'll say this again: um, five to seven throws different, and this this entire season looks very different. Like you can go back and you can just look at crucial moments. A few more throws being made in a couple of games: Birmingham Bowl, uh, the uh, the Iron Bowl, South Carolina, Penn State. Um, all of those games look drastically different if you just hit a couple of shots that were there mm-hmm. that you left on the table to guys who were open in scenarios, you know, mm-hmm. or you make a couple of catches as a wide receiver in situations where we needed it to extend drives, vastly different. So this was not, outside of the Georgia game, this was not Auburn getting run off the field by anybody. Texas A&M, we had our opportunities in those games, right? Like mm-hmm. you just have to make the plays when they're available for you. Um, and there were some coaching missteps, I believe, in those games. But the players had their shots to not leave it down to last minute or in-game scenarios with a coach or fourth down calls with the coach by making plays on first through third down, right? right? You get down there in the red zone against South Carolina and a bobbled snap, you know, is the difference between a touchdown and a field goal that we end up missing right. on that drive, right? Like there's just so many things that – the players had within their hands to be able to make a difference on how this outcome went. And it's not because they're not talented enough to do those things, right? Like you just have to lock in and do it. Jazzy Joe always coming through with the big bucks. We appreciate the super chat challenge complete. Auburn came back. Sorry, I missed the last show. Thank you so much for jumping in here. Hey, with that. Jazzy yeah, Joe. That's, that's because of Auburn basketball. For y'all that don't know, uh, Jazzy Joe is an unofficial sponsor of <laughs> the war report, always coming through with the uh, challenges and then subsequently, um, giving us some money because of that. Jason Hill, always appreciate your insight. Couldn't run block and pass the pass game in medium to long uh, conversions. And when it was third and one or two, we couldn't run it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's true. a problem. That's right. And that's so right. that puts you in the scenario, which is why the difference in, in, in the previous quarterback being here, that being Bo Nix versus TJ Finley is so different because the play call that you need to be able to play in that scenario, you shrink the playbook from what they previously had. You had the opportunity to run something where Bo could go get a couple of yards for you on third down in a run pass situation that you don't have with TJ Finley in there. So your run blocking not being where it needs to be impacts him a lot more than it does um, the, the quarterback previous to that. Uh, I feel like there's another one that I'm missing in here. Uh, I'm just kind of scrolling through here. There's the super chats are coming in pretty quickly. Um, we're going to talk basketball later. We're here to talk about football tonight, y'all. Yeah, we're talk man. Basketball later. Listen, um, Ashford changes the dichotomy of this QB room. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think this is, this is a signal. These coaches are trying to get their guys in here, and they're trying to improve this through competition and culture. Uh, 
he's a talented guy, man. He was talented enough to land a commitment, um, you know, from a school that has not been struggling to recruit in football. Right. Oregon's been doing pretty well recruiting in football and he went up there. It didn't work out for him. Now, I think a lot of it, I think, had to do with the whole two sport thing. Got a good situation, I think, uh, coming up here with with a bunch of guys who will compete. Ultimately, it's going to result in more transfers. You know, somebody's going to lose. And none of these guys, you know, you may get a, a convince a guy to stick around to be second string. But I don't think we have any left anybody left now that's going to stick around to be third string. Yeah, mm, that's just where we're at. I don't. Yeah, think, I, I mean, don't it's, it's unlikely. Like I said, I just don't see a guy with a bunch of eligibility wanting to waste it on the bench, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, if you're Demetrius Davis, a redshirt year, not that big a deal, right? Like, I don't lose any of my eligibility. Now the clock's ticking, right? Like every game I don't play is eligibility I mm-hmm. don't have left. Yep. Same thing for T.J. Finley. He doesn't have another redshirt season. He's wasting away eligibility. The the difference in the T.J. Finley scenario is he's already used his one free transfer, right? So if he leaves, he's got to sit out next season regardless of where he goes or he has to transfer to a JUCO. Down. He's got to go yeah. down a level. Yeah. So those are the only options for T.J. Finley right now is if he doesn't want to stay and fight for QB1 at Auburn University, he cannot play next year in a division, in, in a uh, Power 5 conference school or even a— um even a group of five school. Like he's got to go Juco or sit out a season uh, because he's used his free transfer. So so let's talk about Ashford for a second though, right? Like, so he was in Oregon's 2019 class, Mm -hmm. right? So he redshirted, I think the 2019 season. Mm -hmm. And then he had four years left to play after that, but he got a COVID year. So I think he still has four years left to play. Ashford still has four years left to play, so he does not have to be in a super hurry either if he doesn't win this job. Correct. I think it's a pretty decent situation for him. Uh, if he can, he can just sit. He can sit behind Calzada for a year or two and just continue to develop, and then take over with two years of eligibility left, which is ideal for most programs. You're not yeah, throwing the, a. But fresh- he's going to be fighting holding Garner for that, right? Yeah, for sure. But you know, again, the the experience that you have having you know, been in a college weightlifting program and, you know, he should have the edge on Holden. He should have the edge on Holden. Physically, for sure. I don't think it should be even a competition. I mean, he's already just a bigger guy in general, so. Yeah, you know, having, you know, he should be a little bit more mature. Like, you know, he should have some things figured out. Um, But uh, ultimately, this this is how it should be at most programs. We, again, we we don't know what it's like to have a talented QB room where the ones, the twos, and the threes are all good. So whenever a guy decides to leave, everybody freaks out. And I think this is Harson trying to establish this too deep chart where we can depend on the guy who is second in line. And, you know, he'll come in and he may have a different skill set than the guy who starts, but uh, he's still got a useful skill set that can be effective within um, the parameters of what they're trying to build on offense. Um, so that's what that's what I'm I'm looking at right now. I, I just think um, adding depth is not a bad thing. So you cannot complain about the guys that are leaving and the guys who are coming in. Yeah, right. And like I, I think people are panicking a little bit too much about the wide receiver room too. Like they're saying, like I and listen, I understand the the desire to go get a proven receiver. Um, and I said this last year. I just think we've got guys in the room. 
And if everyone who stayed is bought in already, then we should see the best guys hit the field this year, right? Like, I don't think that there's a reason why the best players don't play this year if everyone who has stayed has either not gotten in the doghouse for some reason because of behavioral things and been shown the door or decided this isn't for me and I'm out, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and then we still have, you know, the post-spring exodus that may happen for some people. But I think you're going to see the talent rise to the top with that. Um, So... You know, I, I I am not as down on the receiver room as some may be, but I do I do understand that there may be a necessity to bring in you know that guy, but I just don't know if that guy exists currently still in the portal. Like I just right. don't know where where that guy is coming from. So we'll see. Um, mm. super couple more super chats here. I want to make sure appreciate everybody um for jumping in here. I see a lot of people talking about they would take TJ Dave, uh, TJ Finley at their school. I saw a Samford in here, a Southern University. You guys are um, in here uh, trying to recruit. <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, TJ, TJ has a really good support system, man. Yeah. And his support system has a plan for him. And, um, you know, they're going to do, they're going to figure out a path for him that makes sense for him, whether it's here or someplace else, right? Yeah. Um, I think he comes, from, he comes from a really good family. I'm a big fan of uh his folks and you know um you know listening to them talk just you know just he's it's he's easy to root for not in love with some of the social media stuff but you know at the end of the day um i think that they're putting together a plan for him you know uh based on things that are outside of his control yeah uh jazzy joe in here with the super chat again let's tip our hat to both for not bad mouthing offer three of these kids are coming from oregon and both could have changed their mind um their minds uh, to cause this crucial decision for them. It is interesting that we have three former Oregon players. I think the uh, the Bodix transfer to Oregon actually made room for yeah, this Robbie Ashford thing to happen. Yeah, I right? don't know that he could have changed their minds even if he tried. Well, I mean, for for the other guys, maybe right. Like, but I mean, they're defensive guys, so I don't know how much you know they would have come to Bodix and been like, "Hey, man, what do you you know you you were under Harson? What do you think about this guy?" I um, wouldn't be asking his opinion. You yeah, left. So. Right. I mean, right. but that's that might be the person you want to ask. Like, hey, you were just there and you left. Why? Like, what's what's up in that room? Um, well, but again, but that, defensive guys, I don't know that that's even as big a deal. And he wouldn't have the interaction with Coach Mason to be able to determine that. Correct. And then Robbie Ashford as the quarterback, he's like, well, you're coming in here to take one of the spots away. So, you know, I don't yeah, really care what you got to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, right. You you left. You left the spot where you were starting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Ed Darby in here says no running clock for 8A this year. I definitely would like to see a full game this year as opposed to last year. Mm. Last year's 8A was so anticlimactic that I really don't want to see that happen again this year. I am going to have to agree with you on that one. Jazzy Joe Super Chats again here to say, uh, do we all do we think we're done at the QB position? Yes, I do. I I mean, I just unless we see, you know, Two transfers out, I don't see a reason why we would need to go get someone else in the QB room. Or the other question would be, who would be the quarterback that would enter this QB room with at least two plausible starters saying, I want to go and compete and think I can win that job as opposed to being at one of the other schools out here that are still needing a starting quarterback. Yeah, withhold withholding, even if we had two transfers out, I think I think they just stick with the guys that they have. Yeah. Right. I mean, if, if if we get two transfers out, um, and you're Ashford and Calzada, you feel really good, right? Because if I'm Ashford, I got almost zero problems thinking I can hold holding Garen or at bay for at least the backup job. Yeah. 
you know, and you know, if you're Calzada, it's almost like a lock for you to start in that scenario. So um, those got the one and two, the one, two will be kind of set, right? Just, it's just an either or between Ashford and Calzada. Uh, but um, yeah, I think we're done. Either way, I think we're done at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Samuel Haynes is still very firmly in the Demetrius Davis camp says, keep sleeping. DD's going to start. Hey, listen, I'm not telling you that he won't start. I'm telling you, he's got an uphill fight against him. Yeah. On, listen, this is t- going to be, it's, it's a, there's a, there's a hill to climb here. And he's not starting it at the front of the uh, pack. Yeah, is all I'm listen, saying. What I'm saying is, is talent will not be the reason <laughs> that DD doesn't start. <laughs> Correct. Right? It's going to be other things. It's going to be about culture. It's going to be about fit and culture. So nobody's questioning DD's talent. That was the biggest, the major is Davis cheerleader. Right. This past spring. So please do not take this as me saying I don't think that I think that these other guys will beat him out on a talent basis. That's not what it is. It's this coaching staff that I'm predicting. Yeah. And what they're going to do and the implications it's going to have for the players. Me personally, I'm, I said it at the top. I'll say it again. I, I don't think that Demetrius Davis takes a snap at Auburn University. I don't. Based on what I've seen, what I've heard, and what this coaching staff is doing, um, I, and I hope that I'm wrong. But Ultimately, yeah, because again, he's a supremely talented guy. So, mm-hmm. like, I just don't yeah. Why know. won't we want to see that? But yeah. you know, the moves that they're making indicate that uh, that we probably won't see him. Uh, Anthony Grant with Grant with super chat here says, "Hey, we missed those O linemen. Yeah, there was some high hopes on a couple of guys. There's still some more targets out there that we're looking at." Um, Alex Jackson is coming back, right? We yeah, got I mean, three listen, out of five O linemen coming up. So, Council's coming back, Nick Brahms coming back, Alec Jackson coming back. Um, Troxel's you know, coming back, isn't he? So, four of them are yeah. all returning. The only person from that starting, uh, that started significant snaps last year that is not, that did not return is, um, and I can't think of his name right now, I already deleted. Uh, he transferred. Degree. Yeah, he yeah. transferred. I know well, you're talking Manning about. transferred, uh, and, but there was somebody else. Touch on Manning? Yeah, he transferred to Kentucky. There's somebody who I'm not thinking of. The chat will definitely get me together. That transferred? No, that uh, is not coming back. I think he went to uh, declared or something like that. I don't okay. know. Anyway, uh, but then we've got Killian um, Zer- Zerier, the German name, mm-hmm. whatever, who is coming back. So we've got guys with st- starting experience. Ham, thank you, Rodarius Ham. Is Rodarius the one, Ham, okay. Um, who is not returning um, this year. I knew that. But check this out. Council so- is coming back, though. Like some uh, Ed Darby said, Council is returning this year. He's using like some kind of COVID seventh mm-hmm. year exception. No. He, had, he had like a medical red shirt, so he he actually has one more year of eligibility that he is taking advantage of. So. so let me say this about this O-line, because I made it on another broadcast, um, the point. This is that is such a developmental position. These O-line were... Keandre you know, Jones is returning, yes. Is, yeah, Everybody like we got a lineman coming back. Yeah. Um, the, 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 um, the O-line is such a developmental position, and our O-linemen were built to do something different under the last coach, mm-hmm. right? Two off-seasons in Harson's strength and conditioning program may be enough to get these guys to the place where they can play the brand of football that Brian Harson is trying to play. One off-season is not necessarily enough at that position. But you, your body takes a beating at O-line, and, you, and the strength that it takes, it is hard to develop in one off-season you, unless you're on something. So assuming that these guys are doing it the natural way, um, you know, it, it, this line could be drastically better in 2022 than they were in 2021, just based on strength and conditioning. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah. 
it's going to be definitely interesting. Um, listen, I am not a, I, I've been seeing the same thing uh, that you all have been seeing on social media with former players that have just mm. kind of, you know, had issues with the current coaching staff. Differences of opinion on how you run things doesn't, it doesn't mean that something is bad just because it's not a fit for you. Right. Like, and so I think that it's a little premature to say that the coaching staff is wrong or it's wrong. It's wrong to say that the players were wrong. Listen, they have a certain way that they were accustomed to because of how they came into the college football situation um, that was a better culture fit for them. So I am a strong advocate of being where you are celebrated and wanted. If you don't feel that Auburn is quote unquote home for you, then by all means, find a place that is home for you. And that doesn't mean that anybody's got to be wrong or mm-hmm. anyone has to be uh, upset about the outcomes of that thing. We can have a peaceable splitting of ways. You decide to go your direction. I go my way. And, you know, and everybody can be happy at the end of the day. I, but uh, it is what it is. And I don't I wish I, I wish every one of those guys the absolute best in their careers and whatever they decide yeah. to do going forward. Uh, I'll tell you this. Um you know, there was a there was an IG live that happened with Kobe mm-hmm. recently, and there were some guy current players on it, and it was not a good look. Yeah, just wasn't a good look. I'm not going to go into details about it, but I don't think it was a good thing if you were on it. Right. You know, especially for it to be that particular player with the issues that he left with, and so I I will just I will never understand a player seeing a guy self-destruct and then saying well just a person in general like he, like like you can't be friends with someone watching them do that and then and you're and just tying your it. and tying yeah. yourself to it as well though associating your name with it right like hey bro listen there's going to be blowback from this so before i catch some shrapnel to the chest i'm going to stand back while you self-destruct right and i'm here i'm your, i'm your guy but like i'm not going down with you Right, right. Um, because you right, have made your, your responsibility your in that decision is either to distance yourself or stop him from doing it. Doing it, right? You can't yeah. Do you can't do the option C should not be participate or idly stand by and laugh unless because, you're about to do what he's doing. Correct. Right. Unless you're looking to get what he got, I just don't understand that. Right. So social media is killing some of these guys. It is, you know, uh, smoke has put some things out there that I'm just like, come on, bro. Like, even if you're not coming back, right? And, and I don't think he was given an option to come back. Yeah. Like, again, one of those players, the staff was like, appreciate your contributions, right? Peace. And and so listen, and and this, I I want you guys to hear when we're saying this. This is not the first time a player has left Auburn University with bad taste in their mouth. Mm-hmm. It just like we we are close associates with players who, when they left Auburn, didn't want nothing to do with Auburn. (laughs) Oh man, the stories are funny, right? And and, but they uh, outside of their circle of people, you wouldn't know that, right? Like, I mean, rumors fly around, and you know, oh man, I heard from somebody who talked to somebody, right? You hear that stuff, but you wouldn't hear them say it out of their mouth unless you were friends with them. Mm-hmm. Like, and so again, in the era of social media, it's not just you and your friends sitting around talking. You're going live, and now it's thousands upon thousands of people who get to interact with this content. 
and you have to be careful what you put out there. It's not closed-door conversations no more. This is right. not the mid-90s anymore. It's a different time, and if you want to be in that space where you get to have closed-door conversations, turn the cameras off, put the phones down. Yeah, I'll tell you what. In this era, era of social media, you will get 200% of the attention that you ask for. Correct. If you're, if you're a player. And here's what I was told about um, uh, our current coach. Um, listen, man, he's not going to go around town kissing babies and politicking. This man wants to coach football. So all the extracurricular stuff, he's not a huge fan of. Right. And uh, he's got people who handle that for him. Mm-hmm. So politics need to be done. He's got people who do that. If, if, if babies need to be kissed and, you know, hands need to be shook, sh- he's got people who do that for him. Right. Right. If you're a player, he's I think I, I think personally he's looking for more players in that mold where they're just com- coming in to put their head down and work and leave all the other extracurricular stuff. At the door. Right. right. And if we want to talk about differences in programs, that's where you find the big difference in some of the more successful mm-hmm. programs and the ones that are off the rails is that they have a culture that says, come in here and work. All that other stuff, Leave when you graduate, door. you got all the rest of your life to do that. While you are a football player at this program, while you are – look at the basketball team. The basketball team gets online and they have fun. But you don't see this stuff. You right? don't see any of this stuff, man. Yeah. I'm telling it's you It's different. Right I now. get it. It's different when you're winning. We weren't winning a lot of games last year, and you still didn't see our players take to social media doing a lot. Uh, Justin Powell exited the Auburn University basketball program unceremoniously because Wiser. the culture around the basketball program was that ain't how we get down. Mm-hmm. You can speculate all you want to outside of these doors. He wasn't going on live and doing a bunch of, because that's just a different culture of what had been set around that program. Right. But you don't stand to gain anything from that, though, right? No. The battles that they start with the coaches on their way out, you lose that every single time. Yeah. I'm telling you, you lose. And and, and it's, so it's not in your best interest. And they're not even pushing, the, 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 the coach is not pushing a narrative other than, you know, Culture. That's it. That's the only narrative he's pushed all season. Yeah. Is, is that we need to rebuild culture here. And he's given guys a chance to get on board with that culture. Some yeah. guys got on board. Some guys came along a little slower than others. And some have just refused. Right. Right. I think some of those players he could afford to sit. Others he could not afford to sit. But now that the season is over. He's like, all right, now that it's done. Peace. Yeah. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the number one Juco safety in the country. Right, I'm going to get the number one overall JUCO player in the country. I'm going to get guys who can come in here and be immediate impact players. And this program is going to be is going to evolve with or without you. Right. No guy is bigger than the program, and some of these guys have forgotten that. Right. So to be a part of something special, you have to be a part of something special. Right. You have to right. be a part of it. And, and I, so I just don't, I don't get it. Like, you know, I mean, the, the good that social media has done for sports is apparent. When it works, it works. Uh, the, the, uh, the SID for uh, Auburn men's basketball, her name is Marlene uh, Naver. Uh, I hope I said her last name right. And they have taken social media and they have turned it into this thing. You know, we got the deep fried memes and we barrage the other team's score post with memes and we do all these things that they're using and recruiting that are positive. 
And it's all been built around an attitude by the coach. When, when Bruce came in, I was in a Twitter space and they were talking about how he, you know, he came here and he got in, in the mix with the students and he was the ultimate cheerleader for his squad before they started winning. You know, people bought into that culture. And now, man, he's just he's just the ultimate players coach and they win. His process is is working and there's no question. So kids coming out of high school see that and like, yes, I can go play for this guy and go pro in a year. Right. You know, or I can go play for him for a couple of years and go pro in a couple of years if that's where I'm at. Either way, this gives me the best chance to maximize my athletic potential here and in the future. That's what Harston is trying to build on the football side. It just it didn't happen for Bruce in two years. So why we? I mean, this coach deserves time to to get this together. I think yeah. that a lot of people have just underestimated how how much dysfunction existed before he got here, right? And um, we paid twenty one million dollars to dish the last guy for a reason. Yeah. Give him so a chance. I, I to see build Jason it. Hill saying here, you know, if you think Coach Gus Malzahn was soft, you have no clue what you're talking. It's it's not. I don't think it's about softness, right? Not like, about it soft. Is, it, it's just. And, and I, I know he's not responding to us. He's responding to the chat. Okay. Uh, I don't, I, and, and I do think that people use the word soft a little bit too much. He's just a different kind of coach, right? Like he is not, the, the, the type of structure that he puts around his program is not the same structure that these guys who came in under Gus were accustomed to. So Coach, coach Malzahn and Coach Harson are just different people. And some people respond to different styles differently. And again, I'll say this again. Because something is not a fit does not mean that it's wrong. It just means it's wrong for you, right? Like, yeah. I cannot wear my little brother's clothes. That doesn't mean that his clothes are bad clothes. It doesn't mean they don't fit me, right? Yeah, like, I, and that's fine. I yeah, don't I, need to wear his clothes. I would argue, though, that some of this stuff is wrong because of the results that we saw, right? So again, I think again, that there's room to say that. I don't know. Again, I do think that the culture breeds something different in the results on the field. But again, I think it's too early to determine whether or not Brian Hawshins' way is right or wrong. Well, I don't... I, when we're talking about whether guys show up on time or not, you know, that's not right. That's very black and white. Yeah, agreed. Right. Again, it, I'm just talking... I'm, I'm speaking specifically right or wrong as far as Harson is concerned. Correct, yeah. But his way is I'm not going to pull up, put up with guys showing up late. You will be on time for practice. You know, you will do the basic minimum things that any winning coach would require of his team. I saw some inconsistencies in the way our last coach handled things. Right. That and, and I, that's, and again, that's the bigger problem for me is the inconsistency. It's, it's in consistency. You can't just decide this guy is impervious from result. I mean, from, from, uh, being blamed for anything, but like this dude does one thing and you're out. And he's of off the team. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, on, man. that, it can't be a thing, which is why I say, again, I'll, I'll reiterate. And um, I, uh, Jason Hill said he's correcting. It was Coach Garner that he was saying was not soft. I don't know oh. that anybody thinks Coach Garner was, everybody thought he was a hard ass. Like, I don't know anybody who thought Coach Garner wasn't like a really strict cushion. But again, I don't think that, that Coach Malzahn was soft. I think he was soft with certain people. He was a more lenient on certain people, but for in some instances, he was way too heavy handed. And that's the bigger issue for me is the inconsistency of like, well, why is this guy getting away with it? But this one isn't mm. like, what's the difference here? And you and I don't know that there's room for that. I'd much rather this is what it is. This is the standard. Everybody has to meet it or you're, you're not going to play. <laughs> then 
well, this guy gets away with it. Why, why don't I? Well, in year one, right, we saw a tiny bit of a purge in that guys weren't off the team, but they just weren't on the field. Mm-hmm. And there was a minimum expectation he had to meet in terms of winning games that we fell below. So you couldn't clean house completely in year one. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't. His job is still to win football games. So he could not tear it all down in year one. And in this offseason, I think you're seeing, okay, now we can afford to tear a few more bricks off this foundation. And while we have time to get guys in here in the spring and rebuild for the fall, 2023 is the year that we judge this coaching staff by fully. Right? Yeah. I'm, I stand by that. You can judge them on recruiting. You can judge them on results on the field. By 2023, you know, this has to be a nine-win team with a top 10 recruiting class. Right. In 2022, man, they were behind the eight ball on this recruiting class already because they were a year late in getting to a lot of these kids. And look what they still, they still turned in a top 15 class. Right. Got some and great it, guys. It's, hard, out of the it's hard to sell. It's hard to sell portal guys on with limited results. Like it's just not going to be the same type of situation where you can go say, look what I did last year. There's not very, especially on the offensive side of the ball, there's not a bunch that's appealing to anybody as an offensive recruit in the portal for that. Right, uh, right. Let me grab a couple more chats here. Jazzy Joe says uh, he was starting to uh, get frustrated with the football t- talk timeout, starting to frown a lot. Auburn basketball, Auburn basketball, Auburn basketball. Mm. Let's go. Listen, I feel you, man. Listen, we got to talk about this stuff, though, because it's relevant today, and we will be back fully on basketball. Well, not fully, but 90% basketball uh, when we get back to the next live. But definitely ap- appreciate the uh, the super chat and the the fervent uh, enthusiasm behind Auburn basketball. It deserves that energy. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about uh, what this room can be. You know, a lot of people are are very lukewarm on Calzada. I'm actually, the more I watch his tape from last year, I'm a lot higher on him um, yeah. than I was. I'm going to be honest. I still haven't dove into that tape. And we do have yeah. some All-22 film to be able to evaluate. We've got our game and I've got one other game, I think, from Zach Calzada. Bama, or maybe, right? Maybe we got Bama. Other. Yeah, so um, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be doing some stuff like that. Um, I'd be interested to see, Jason, I know you're a big QB guy. I'd be interested to see what you saw in the Zach Calzada film that you liked and disliked, man. So um, I don't want to steal your ideas or anything like that, but I, I would be interested to hear your take on that. Yeah, I mean, listen, the more I, I watched them, the more I saw a kid who, you know, was somewhat of a gamer, man. Yeah, he played. He played hurt against us. He played on a bum shoulder against us. Um, and, uh, you know, he he did some great things there, uh, you know, with a less than stellar offensive line, less than stellar pass protection. They were absolutely abysmal at points in pass protection last season. And he was still able to accomplish some things behind that line. So with a little better pass protection, um, I can tell you uh, he would have been, you know, 25 to 30% better behind our offensive line last year, the way we passed protected for our quarterbacks um, uh, by the numbers. And we play in, and that's not a stretch to say because we play in the same division. So we have six common opponents or five common opponents. Yeah. So, so we know that we know going up against the same guys, what he was able to do. And they just did not protect it a very good clip last year for him. So if, um, we could get some of that same production and improve some for him. He could be, he could be dynamic, you know, in this system with what they're asking him to do. And with Harson play calling, I liked the play calling in the bowl game for the most yeah. part. 
I did. Um, and uh, then there's Ashford, who right. has just got a lot to prove because, like you said, we don't have a ton of tape on him. Yeah, the best so, we could do is possibly find some stuff from the spring game at Oregon to see how he plays against, you know, He needs to have a good town. spring. He needs Absolutely. to have a good spring here. And yeah. that should be the focus for, like, any player who has panicked because someone else has been introduced to the room that you currently are sitting in, whether, I don't care what position it is, you need to be saying to yourself, I'm going to outwork him in the spring. Because it, like, None of that stuff matters. We remind you, one of the friends of this program was a quarterback that came in and won the job. And how many um, uh, practices? Eight practices? Uh, uh, Chris Todd. Yeah. How many? It was eight practices. Eight, eight practices. Eight right. practices. So none of this other I don't. My mindset should be, I don't care who you bring in here. They're going to have to fight me for this spot. Right. I'm going to outwork who I don't go get, go bring Caleb Williams. You can go get whoever you want to. I'm still going to be the starter next year because I'm going to outwork everybody else because I believe in my physical abilities and my talent. But again, if you've put yourself in poor graces with people and you're having to do something to prove that you're just bought in before you get to show your physical tools, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Right. Like then it becomes now you've got to work that you got to fight a battle on two fronts. It's not just go out and outwork him on the field. Now you got to go prove to QB coach, offensive coordinator, head coach, whoever it is, you know, position coach that I'm also bought in. It ain't just about how hard I work on the field. And unfortunately, whether you want to call it politics, playing favorites, that's a part of life. I don't care where, where you work unless you're going to work for yourself. A part of it is your interpersonal skills. Your ability to appeal to people will determine your level of success in whatever industry you're in. And if you don't learn that in football or whatever sport that is that you're in where someone else determines how often you get to play, then you're going to have a hard lesson in life ahead of you after that. It's just it is what it is. So let me let me say this. Um, I want to address this comment. Harson and company to get ahead of NIL and make deals for the offensive linemen specifically to start without question. It's the university is not making deals for players. That's not what NIL is, right? Because none of this money is coming for the from the university. What's happening is businesses with rooting interests in the schools are stepping up and offering these NIL deals to these players. Um, in Miami, uh, there was a local gym owner. He owned a chain of gyms. And he said, every Miami football player will get $500 a month from my business. It was something like $495,000 or something for the year um, to sponsor a, a, a small thing if you were on the roster. The businesses are the ones making the deal. So what you're really calling on is you're calling on uh, I don't know, man. Yellowwood <laughs> reasons, yeah. you know, any, 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 any business that has rooting interest in 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 Auburn or roots in the community at Auburn to step up and offer these deals to these players um, to make Auburn, you know, in the big markets, that's what's happening, right? Texas has got all that oil money. Look what they did. They they went and they made some crazy deal with all the offensive linemen. And listen, they're getting ahead of it. They know they're coming to the SEC. They've got to start beefing up that line now before they get to the conference. Uh, you know, I think you'll see something similar at Oklahoma, but this really is going to be about um, 
uh, uh, the difference between the haves and the have-nots is going to grow with NIL because uh, some schools are, are not going to have a rich alumni base that can just fork over money for players. Right. Um, uh, this is this is the legal way of doing it. So rather than an underhand, under-the-table deal, if you're a business owner, and a lot of these rich alumni are, they can just essentially funnel that money from their business to the player and then just ink a deal with them. Now, uh, who was it? Charlie Batch from Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. He was offering Caleb Williams a million and a half dollars or something NIL deal to come play right. in Eastern Michigan. Now it's Eastern Michigan, and, and if you're Caleb Williams, you're thinking, if I can get a million dollars from them, I can get three million dollars from Texas or USC or any place else, right? But it's not really coming from the schools. So I just want to make sure people understand that Brian Harson is not signing anybody to an NIL deal. Yeah, so now NIL works. Yeah, and so I think what people are are hoping happens is that the university and and when they think football program they automatically think Brian Harson. Brian Harson probably would not be the guy doing this anyway. It would likely be some other person on the staff would as you're trying to recruit people also try to go do the recruiting job of getting those businesses on board and say, "Hey, here's mm-hmm. an NIL package that we've already got ready for you with this guy." You just need to sign with us, right? Like, so it becomes this thing where we're pitching more than just the football side of things. But mm-hmm. again, Brian Harson, from all accounts, is laser focused on football. Mm-hmm. So anything that is business and how you go, he's like, all right, when you get in here, we'll figure that stuff out. Do you want to come play football here? Not do you want to make money at Auburn? Can Sure, we can figure out a way for you to make money. But do you want to play football? And are you a good football and culture fit for Auburn University? And that's where his focus is to his detriment, maybe in some scenarios with some of these more high profile athletes and players. Um, But it is that is what it is, you know. Um, yeah. Super chat here from Renaissance Man 2008. I think Aub- the Auburn job is very hard job to succeed at. I think that wore Gus down, similar to Tubbs when he initially when he was initially hired. He was more in the mold of a disciplinarian. Look at his opening presser. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that I ever would have called. I think he was he was a very strict tactician type of person, right? Because of the way that his offense was designed, it required you to be meticulous in the way that you executed in order for it to work. Like it was literally, if it wasn't perfect, then it probably wasn't going to work the way that he designed it. So he required that level of precision. But then he realized, oh, it doesn't have to be perfect if I just have really great athletes that can make up for mistakes. And so he got more lax in that manner and just realized, well, I just need to go get some guys because the guys are really what matters. Right. Um, And so I think that that was a pivot, not necessarily in him getting worn down and becoming more soft over time he just realized what the actual game was it wasn't am i going to be able to out execute or strategic like it that didn't matter you could be you could have the best play call in the world and a max truck run through the middle of your offensive line and it doesn't matter and that's what he realized as he started to get further into that process yeah i don't know that auburn is any harder than any other sec west job i think that's just the sec west right like yeah it's it's a little bit more difficult just because of our crossover game every year is georgia for sure you're you're that like there aren't very many schools that every year you're going to play perennial top five schools every year you're going to play alabama you're going to play georgia every single season 
that's the, you can only say that at Auburn University. Like I don't, if you can name for me another program that has to play two schools of that caliber every year and then go through the remainder of the SEC West gauntlet, I don't know. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. I mean, I'm not, I'm not denying it's a hard job. If anything, Auburn makes the job harder, right? Um, I, I think our meddling makes the job harder, and there are people who work Tennessee for, is a good yeah. one, Tennessee, mm-hmm. but, like, they have mm-hmm. the rest of the SEC East that they get to play, though. Like, they also get Vandy <laughs> every year, right? And they get, you know, South Carolina is becoming more difficult, but they had a, a struggling South Carolina. They had a falling apart Florida every year. So, yes, you get those same two, but then you don't get the rest of the SEC West. So, it's close, but it ain't the same. It ain't the same, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I just looking at this, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right. So here we are, right? Um, you got a tough gig, uh, and you're bringing in talent, and they brought in Robbie Ashford. This is where we started, right? We brought in Robbie Ashford, and he is joining the QB fray here, right? And um, what I would ask is the same thing I've been asking fans of Calzada, like. When we don't have to crown him king or throw him away at this point. Right. You know, and I would I would I would ask fans to just temper their expectations one way or the other because anybody claiming to know what this kid is, I don't think that's fair. Yeah, I, I don't think that's fair. I'll say at all. the same thing I've said about TJ Finley. We haven't yeah. seen a full oh. season of him play football. Now Calzada's an older player, but he mm-hmm. hasn't played a full full season as a starter yet right. for anybody's school. So like to project that forward, you can look at a couple of things and say, well, this looks good, but you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know until he develops into something. And I think you have to at least give a guy 12, 13 starts before you realize, okay, this ain't going to change. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and that's where I was at with TJ. I just felt like, you know, we just haven't seen enough of him, you know, where some people were just saying, see, I told you he was he was trash. He was this. He was that. And I just don't have the energy for those people, because, again, it'll be the next guy under that fire. Now, now, once we've seen a guy for two years. You know, I think it's reasonable to put some expectation on him, but like less than eight starts, it's just so hard because you you have you're going to have to work through some things as an athlete at some point in your career. Right. Like, you know, some of the best quarterbacks ever, you know, when they make the jump to the next level, like, you know, Peyton Manning's first year in the, in the league, he led the league in interceptions. Right. It was quite clearly a good quarterback. But even some of the greatest have adjustment periods that they have to have. Right. Um, and I'm not comparing TJ Finley yeah. to Peyton oh, yeah. Manning. Yeah, saying, yeah, let's but like, be clear. Nobody is saying that TJ no. Finley is the second coming of Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning but what I'm saying is if the great one of the greatest can take can take a year to adjust to the speed of the game. Everybody else might need a little time to adjust as well, too, right? So Calzada may need some time to adjust here. That's why I think he's the front runner because he's already got a whole year of starting experience in the SEC West, and uh, yeah. he may be able to adjust a little faster in our program than uh, you know even TJ, who he was here, but he didn't get the starts. He didn't get the reps. Right, like in-game reps, he didn't get as many right. in-game reps as Calzada did. Right, so um, you know, and then Ashford, who has zero. Right. So uh, just give these guys a chance, man, to get in here and compete. I think I think A Day will be really important for all these quarterbacks. And what we need to see during A Day is we just need to see consistent throws. Right. You know, what I'm looking forward to is I'm looking forward to 
um, seeing three quarterbacks that might actually have a chance to start this 8A. Yeah, I, you know what? The, the the quarterback competition is, if you're not intrigued by this, then <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah, this is, I, this I just is don't compelling know. Like, stuff. Yeah. This is, this is something that I'm looking forward to seeing playing out and seeing who uh, eventually becomes the entrenched starter for this football team. Uh, and uh, as you said earlier, my sincere hope is that whoever won barely won and not because it was, uh, you know, the person who screwed up the least. But like we had two starting caliber quarterbacks in the room and they just had to pick somebody. But if that first person ever goes down, the next person that's coming in is a problem, too. It's a problem right. for whoever it is that's going to be uh, under center or taking shotgun snaps, whatever it's going to end up being for Auburn University in the upcoming season. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think you, you just you got to look at it and get, give, give these guys, give all these guys a chance. Give this coaching staff a chance. Um, you know, all this tweeting at the coaches saying, I think this guy should be gone. And I mean, I, I don't have any energy for any of that stuff, man. Like, you know, give these guys a chance to do the job. Trust the head coach. To 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 make the you know the right decision on the quarterbacks moving forward. I think in year one, there were just a lot of questionable things that Carson could not have controlled because of what he inherited. So he didn't really he didn't have much of a choice over who he started at quarterback in his first year because of what the, the structure of what was left. Right, he had to bring in a backup from a school that missed the whole spring. You know, so he was stuck with the quarterback that he had. And, you know, look at what he's doing, though, man. Like, he's he's cleaning house, dude, and it started. Um, it, it, it may, again, the same way a lot of these other guys are leaving, I think the same type of conversation was had with our last quarterback that is being had with a lot of these other guys about what we're trying to do moving forward and whether you're a good fit here. Nobody yeah. is immune from this. And that's the message that he's trying to send. No one player is bigger than the program. A lot of them had that in their head, right? That, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. And this coach is just saying, you know, like, listen, um, he's he's somewhat coaching for his coaching life next year. Right. Right. It's because because if it's if it's if, even if we're assuming he gets a third year, right, depending on how he finishes next season, this could be one of those mid-season fires in right. 2023. Right. So yeah. for people wondering, you know, is he going to make it through the entirety of next season? Likely. But you Likely. don't want to start year three on the hot seat. No, you don't, right? Yeah. And so, you know, the players having, that being said, you need guys who are bought into what you're trying to do. Yeah. Right? And a lot of guys who weren't got shown the door or were highly encouraged to seek someplace else to play. Yeah. At the very least, like if you're going to stay, this is how we're going to do it. If you're not, then, you know, there there was a conversation. I'll leave the name of the player out. But um, he went up to Harson and just asked him, you know, hey, will I ever earn a, 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 will I ever earn a scholarship here? And Harson told him no. And I respect that he was at least able to give that player the opportunity to decide whether he wanted to stay here or not based on that instead of selling guys if you compete, you'll have a shot, and, and you know in your mind they really have no shot because you have no intention of starting that play, right? So, um, you know, those conversations have been had. You know, that's what we're seeing. Again, I'm addressing this because a lot of you have asked me over and over again, what do we make of all these transfers? 
at some schools, it's just it's part. Some of it is just part of the the game now, right? This is part of it. The portals here. Every school is experiencing this. I think Georgia still has a very low amount of transfers, but Bama rocketed up after the championship came. They went from like three to like thirteen overnight uh, since November. They have have chosen to enter the portal, and Auburn um, is just in line with that. I think Ole Miss has the most in the conference. They've got like 16 or 17 guys in the portal now since November. So we're, we're, we're going to be okay. What, what Auburn is experiencing, a lot of other schools are experiencing. What we're right. hoping is, is that we have the staff that will manage it better than the other coaches in our conference. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, that's that, all that you, you have to understand what the new reality is and manage that new reality. If you're still coaching football mm-hmm. like 2018, then you're you 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 haven't embraced the new reality that is the free transfer that you get in the portal the covid mm-hmm. year all, like you just have to change the reality of how you manage your rosters um and it's a yet to be seen how well this coach manages his roster because we see this upheaval because of the transfer of power that happened between the two coaches and it looks like, oh my God, we're losing so many people. This coach needs to get it together. And what you're mm-hmm. actually seeing is you got to clean house to make room for new stuff. 